Servant Warrior Radio Real Radical Relentless Relevant This is Servant Warrior Radio Hello, welcome to Servant Warrior Radio Jeff Searcy here It is Friday, July 8th 2022. Have a great episode for you today. Earlier this week, I had a chance to to visit with my good friend, Brian Kovacs. Brian is the founder of Talking Guns. You can find Talking Guns on all social media platforms, but he's a a medically retired law enforcement officer, a, a consultant, to the military and to law enforcement. Uh, he has been uh, a source, and, and you've probably seen him on Newsmax and Sean Hannity and David Webb, uh, and you've heard him on XM Satellite Radio. Uh, you're going to hear him right here on Servant Warrior Radio, and you know he, he's an advisor, uh, and he is a huge visionary, but he's also a, a trusted source of great information. And we're going to talk today about what's going on in our country. We're going to talk uh, some Second Amendment piece. We're going to talk about uh, really what's going on and what his thoughts are um, a- as a professional in law enforcement. What is the the climate amongst uh, just the law enforcement community? Some of the things we're going to talk about what's happening uh, around our country. And so it is, it's going to be a great episode and we're going to get into that in just a minute. But before we do, uh, I certainly want to bring up some of the things that we've got going on. Uh, earlier this week, we posted uh, episode three of the Life is a Highway series that went live on Tuesday. If you haven't listened to that, Take a listen. Uh, the goal every Tuesday is to provide some encouragement to some uplifting, just some some gasoline um, that'll fuel the engines to get everybody through the rest of the week. <laughs> One, because I need it on Tuesday mornings. Uh, and so that's the goal for Tuesday mornings. That episode of Servant Warrior is all about encouragement, all about pouring in uh, to, to everybody here and to help us get through the rest of the week, but I don't want to to waste any more time. I want to get into my conversation with Brian Kovacs. So here's my conversation from Tuesday, July 5th, 2022 with Brian Kovacs, the founder of Talking Guns. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I can't tell you how pumped I am to be able to talk to my good friend, Brian Kovacs founder of Talking Guns. You can find Talking Guns on, good gracious, every social media platform on the planet. You've got to go check out all the things that are doing. If you want a, an information resource that that will knock your socks off, he's got it uh, through Talking Guns. But I, I want to, before Brian, I get you in, I want to tell everybody a little bit about you. Uh, retired law enforcement, uh, law enforcement officer, right? Several agencies, special response, high-risk teams. He is an entrepreneur, um, weapons development, manufacturing. He specializes law enforcement, agency, military contractors, commercial market sales. Huge Second Amendment advocate. Uh, he has appeared on Newsmax, Sean Hannity, David Webb, uh, XM Satellite Radio, all over the place. Um, he's also an advisor to firearms and tactical industry, worked with all kinds of companies across the spectrum and, and is always looking for things. And I love, he's a huge visionary and a dear friend. And I think he's got some pretty big news that we'll talk about later on. But man, Brian, it has been way too long, buddy. 
It certainly has. Thank you very much, Jeff. It's an honor to be on here with you and chatting with you today. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Man, I tell you, you know, it's it's. I think timing is uh, timing is everything. And you know, thinking about what you and I have talked over the years, man, we've had some unbelievable conversations, and I I always love uh, to get your perspective on things and. One of the biggest goals that I have and that God put on my heart for this little podcast is to be a resource and and to be a um, a, a source of information and not just spouting my own uh, opinions, but to bring people on and actually give people real hardcore information. I say hardcore just from a standpoint is, hey, listen, at the end of the day, we need to think more. We need to analyze more. We need to look at things in totality, not from our own little silos. And it's really, really important for to for me to have this platform to bring great people on who've got great insight and great perspective and put information out there and then let people weed through it, uh, you know, take it in and make the decisions for themselves. One of the things that I always scream about, one, common sense is not so common. Critical thinking is in critical condition. And we borrow our perspectives and opinions way too much in this country. And I'm, my, my, I want to I challenge people to own their perspective. But they, to do that, they've got to have good, reliable, solid sources of information that they can trust. And you are certainly one of those, buddy. I try my best to make sure that, uh, you know, I check, recheck, and check again. Um, but, you know, hey, even the regular media – um, the we'll call it the legacy media. They get things wrong too. Um, you know, even in their research, look at everything that unfolded in the uh, Texas uh, shooting at the school. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've had easily fifteen different stories that were completely untrue that came out of there, um, including who actually shot the shooter. Um, I don't know how much you know about the situation as it's unfolded in the last few weeks, but even the supposed border patrol agent, which. He is a Border Patrol agent on BORTAC, which is one of the most elite tactical units we have in the country. Um, he admitted that he did not shoot the shooter, and he was not the first one to enter the building. So, you know, even the legacy media gets things wrong at times, and, and I do too. We're only human, and we, we go by our instincts. And, you know, there's certain things that we can check and verify, but, you know, as things are unfolding, it's not that easy. No, listen, and, and that's a great point, you know. And I think really when it comes down to it, we all, you know, the, the, the world of, of 24 seven uh, media and the requirement for viewership viewerships and the goals to have people watch it. I mean, I think, I, th- I think the, the overall intent of, of, of providing information, you know, looking at it, what is the ultimate goal? I mean, and listen, you and I both know, man, you know, we, we're, we're in, in, in the, in the business of talking, we're in the business of providing information at, at at every level, even from sales or whatever it is, one, we want the, the information to be reliable. But again, we always look at our end goal. What is the end goal of anything? And so much of the media, the end goal is to get viewerships. And they're supposed to. This is capitalism. Right. The only way that they make money and get paid is to have people watch it, to, to provide compelling information. And unfortunately, the desire to provide and put something that's compelling on the airwaves or wherever it goes certainly lends itself to not necessarily being all that credible and accurate because of the desire. I got to get something out right now. And I, one thing that I love about you is the fact that one, 
yeah, man, we all make mistakes, but the intent for us, as you and I are going to talk today, the, the intent is to provide information. I mean, as much as we know it, not for the goal of, of necessarily viewership. I mean, you know, if, if I have a hundred people listen to this podcast and all hundred get great information and they go out and use that information to make sound decisions and, and it helps their perspective. And I've done my job. I, you know, I think that's important about looking at the intent. And, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on because one, I trust your perspective. I trust your insight. Uh, and it's, it's, it's spot on every time we talk and, and it's important for us to provide and on this little platform to provide information that, that people can actually believe. Uh, and without the, the hyperbolic type, um, desire to sensationalize everything. So I mean, that is important to, to establish those ground rules, I think. Sensationalism is what sells nowadays. Uh, Amen, personally, for, for me and what I do, um, you know, I've got, you know, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all that stuff, Twitter. But my my primary thing that I am focusing on right now is Instagram. And there's two reasons for that. One, I have great followers on Instagram and they share my stuff out. So my posts are getting out to hundreds of thousands of people a week because of that with just under 6,000 followers, I think, right now, which is pretty incredible. So that's one thing. And that, again, that comes down to me, you know, I, I look for the things that are important and the things that can make major impacts in what's going on, okay? We know that guns are a politically motivated subject. We have to deal with that constant barrage from the politicians of they want more gun control, they want more restrictions, they want this, they want that. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And, um, you know, the, the politicians aren't letting up on it. And it's only, it's only becoming a more hot button topic. Um, I've been doing this for, you know, 15 years now in this industry. And this is the worst that I have ever seen the rhetoric coming out from, unfortunately, both sides. I mean, there's no like, there's no corner to hide in anymore, as you already know. Yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, yeah, we I I, t- I had a good uh, conversation with my good friend John Melio the other day, and we were talking about this. We we're talking about military and just the state of, you know, a lot of things that were going on in, in the military side, and and everything is now politicized, and n- no political party has the monopoly or the uh, the corner market for uh, rhetoric on either side, uh, and that's and unfortunately for us, just as Joe Q citizens, uh, I, I can only speak for me. But, you know, I'm a, I love to look at things in totality. No, I, I have my own perspectives and my own opinions. And unfortunately, people who don't necessarily understand kind of how the game is played can really be just taken and swept away by so much that's going on. And they don't understand what is actually being talked about. And, and that's, that's one of the things that really I want, I love to read your stuff. Uh, I, and I, I follow you on Instagram and I look at that and, and I see what's going on. And I, I love those because one, you, hey, you hit the, you find the, the things that are going on and, and you give it straight out and you don't hold any, hold anything back. And I, I appreciate that. And, you know, this, you know, this conversation, you know, where my heart is, Brian, we've had a lot of conversations, a lot of discussions, you know, but this today, this is not necessarily uh, a 100% pro second amendment thing, even though I am, I am a constitutionalist. I love the constitution. So if, if there is the second amendment being a part of the constitution, I love that. Um, but this is, this is looking at things 
how we as a community and as a United States community, and now it's become a global community, the challenges that we are facing as it relates to the messaging, because if you control the message, you control everything. And you have done a great job of trying to get some things out there uh, and, and pointing people in a direction, at least making them think so they don't necessarily just regurgitate the 30 second sound bite. You know, as old Limbaugh used to say, the, the drive-by grenades, right? Correct. So, it's always better to have someone think about a subject and really come to their own conclusion. And that, that's what I have always strived for. And thank you very much, you know, for your kind words. And I, and I know you do uh, follow us and respond to things, uh, you know, on the regular. And I greatly appreciate that. That's, that's one thing as well. Something that I do that a lot of these other pages don't, I actually respond. So when people say things or even if they're critical, I respond to them, you know, and I'll ask them, they'll ask me a question as to why I am so supporting of this and supporting of that. Or, you know, uh, the biggest thing is, oh, so is your freedom more important than safety? 100% it is. And and this is the thing. I, t- I say it all the time. Freedom is a dangerous thing. And if it isn't handled responsibly, things happen. Now, that doesn't mean that we should, you know, I, I'm not in support of a big brother campaign to spy on everybody. And I don't think that that should be the case, but you know, let, let's face it. You and I have both in, been in positions working for the government. We know how certain things work and what they really do behind the scenes, regardless of whether or not they admit it. And, you know, you've got a lot of things falling through the cracks lately, you know, especially with the federal government, you know, FBI being one of the biggest ones where these people who are committing crimes with guns have been known to them. They have, quote-unquote, investigated them. To what extent? Who knows, right? Is it just a contact report, a field interview? Real quick, hey, you're not planning on doing anything wrong, right? Yeah, no, I'm not. Okay, good, thank you. See you later, bye. Who knows? Who knows if they did surveillance? Who knows what they've done, you know, uh, in their investigation? And, And listen, we put our trust in these agencies that they're going to do the right thing. Unfortunately, in the last many years, I think they've been weaponized, and they've been weaponized against the freedom-loving American people, and yeah. that is an atrocity to me. Well, I know I think you hit on something big, and and we'll and we'll talk about that. You know, I, I really want to get into to some of the things you and I. One, I certainly want to talk about the the big. I mean, the Supreme Court, man, they are. They, it is. It is like if you're depending on what side of the of if you're a constitutionalist and you're a favor of the Constitution. They are hitting home run after home run after home run uh, over the last couple of weeks of some of the decisions now. But they but, you know, I I love how everybody on one side of the aisle is screaming and yelling about what they're doing. But then again, they don't scream and yell about other things. We just had the one where they overruled uh, the I think it was the case where where Biden's order to to now forcing those that are coming in from the southern border to actually stay in until they're out. Now they can now they can just come on in. That decision was actually just struck down uh, and so allows even a greater influx of of immigrants coming in from the southern border. And I don't know if you and I'll have time to get into that. But, you know, speaking of Supreme Court cases, there was one just two weeks ago, the New York State Rifle and Pistol um, Association versus Bruin. And, that, you know, that case, I know you're familiar with it. But I got a pretty good idea that not everybody maybe listening to this uh, is. But you know, the facts of the case that New York and please, uh, Brian, this is man, this is your ballywick. So, you know, looking at this and if I get any of these wrong, please correct me. But the whole piece was that 
that New York, the citizens in New York, they had to actually show that they needed a firearm for protection. Right. I mean, that was what that was what was going on. So in what I call the the communist states that we have, which is mainly the Northeast and California, we have an issue that they are not a shall issue situation. They are a may issue. And it was a may issue if you meet certain criteria. Let's face it. That criteria really meant how much are you donating to political campaigns and how connected are you? Okay. So the people that I know that have carry licenses in New York, they've either had them for 30, 40 years and they're, you know, grandfathered, we'll call it in, or they are politically connected people. Um, and, And it costs a fortune. You have to go through psychological testing. You have to do all kinds of stuff that you have to pay for on your own. I know even in, in my home state, the uh, People's Republic of New Jersey, you would have to go before uh, – you would have to go to a superior court judge. And the judge would read over your, your claim that you need this weapon for your own protection. I personally know people who are diamond dealers, who are jewelry store owners, who are – high-end electronics uh, company owners, things like this that have been denied even after being robbed at gunpoint and you know nearly killed for what they do for a living. They have been denied because they have been told, go get private security instead wow. of being able to defend themselves, um, which is, that's ridiculous, right? So now I, I live in free America, Arizona, and you, we have constitutional character. And as you said, yep. I, I call myself a constitutional traditionalist. Yep. Okay, so if, if, you, if, if it's spelled out in plain English and it says this is what it is, I don't need to interpret that in any other way. This is what it was. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah we, no, listen, we, we, uh, we are on the same we're on the same side on that one. So for, for those who are listening, so here, so Supreme yeah. Court, actually what they did was they, they were having to address whether this, this concealed carry license, if, it, if the, dem- the, the requirement to demonstrate a special need for self-defense violated the Second Amendment. And uh, Supreme Court sent down a ruling, said it absolutely violates it, um, that uh, there's no the right to carry a firearm. And I'm going to read it. This is straight out of uh, from Justice Alito, uh, Samuel, Samuel Alito, he, he pr- provided the um, uh, the ruling on this. So the right to carry a firearm in public for self-defense is deeply rooted in history, and no other constitutional right requires a showing of, quote, special need to exercise it. Says while some sensitive place restrictions may be appropriate, Manhattan is not a sensitive place. Gun restrictions are constitutional only if there's a tradition of such regulation uh, in U.S. history, and it is not. And so, my question for you: so, so the Supreme Court says, "Hey, listen, you, you folks that live in New York, you do not have to prove that you have some type of special need to have your concealed uh, carry license. You, as based on the Second Amendment of the Constitution, you are one hundred percent within your constitutional rights to have a concealed permit." My question to you, my dear friend Brian Kovacs, what do you think that's going to do now across? The country, given where we are, and we're going to get into these shootings over July 4th. By the way, guys, for the date today, it's July 5th. Uh, so Brian and I are talking July 5th, 2022. So we're going to talk about what happened over the weekend 
in some of the hotbed cities around our country. And we're going to talk about this. And I think this is so relevant as we look at this or as people start to make their decisions of where, while yes, gun restrictions and, and gun laws are important, as we start to look at things in totality, are they actually accomplishing what they're intended to accomplish? And one thing that we do know, Brian, you and I both know, is bad guys will always get the guns, regardless of the level of restrictions and gun laws. So what do you think this constitutional ruling, what do you think this new decision is going to do countrywide? So I think that the states that are those you know deep blue states are still going to look for ways to restrict it because they feel that more guns on the street means more violence on the street. They don't realize that people can be responsible and actually, you know, save themselves instead of, you know, relying on the police. And and there's nothing, I'm not against the police. I'm very pro-police when it comes down to things, having been on the job, having done that work. I know what goes into it. I, I know how people treat you on the street. And my thing is these law enforcement officers, okay, I've seen sheriffs, I've seen chiefs that go out there and they say, we don't need more guns, we need more police. They are looking at it from a political stance. The fact of the matter is, if you're in danger, you're your own first responder. You need to handle the situation right then and there. Okay, Your family is under attack, somebody breaks into your house, whatever. When seconds count, the police are minutes away, right? And it's not their fault, it just can't be everywhere. So what I think is going to happen is, I've already seen articles where New York, after this decision, has stated that you will have to provide three years of social media history in order to qualify for a permit to carry. Now, isn't that the exact same thing as what they just won the case against? Now they're placing restrictions on your right to self-defense again and your right to carry your weapon. I think what's going to happen is they are just going to keep plugging up the legal system so that things don't get done. However, California, being one of the most gun-restricted states in the country as well, has issued numerous things, and I've seen even in New Jersey as well, where they're saying that they have opened up the qualifications and registrations so that you can get a concealed carry permit now. I'm shocked. I want to see them get issued, though. That's my thing. I want to actually see these things be issued. Just because they're accepting applications doesn't mean they have to do anything with them in any expedient amount of time, right? We know that the wheels of the government spin very slowly. Okay, I am. I'm excited about this. Um, I think it it opens the door to a lot of possibilities. Um, you know, I, I'm very much a person that I am not concerned with where you can and can't carry because I'm responsible. Um, so take that as you may. Um, I I feel that in this situation now that you've got all these people that are probably going to flood the uh, system with applications, I think it's a great thing. Um, But I also think they're going to use it as a money-making scheme. Um, I think that they're going to probably raise prices to try to deter a lot of people, right? They're not going to just go quietly and say, okay, yeah, everybody can carry a gun. I don't see that happening. I, I just don't. No, yeah, I I, I agree. I, I and I one from the way that I look at it, one because as, as a as a student and a teacher of the Constitution and and looking at things, I'm it's I am encouraged with some of the decisions strictly as as it's now 
starting to open up the opportunity for more constitutional rights. And, and it's I'm always concerned, you know, anytime the government gets involved, somebody's constitutional rights are going to get squashed. I mean, that's just that, that is that is 100 percent guaranteed. It, 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 you're not not always sure which side of the fence you're going to be on. But whenever the government gets involved, somebody's rights are going to get squashed. Somebody might not be squashed, but somebody certainly will. And I think it's in, it, it certainly will will provide the opportunity for some state legislatures in some localities now not to have you know, have that voice from the Supreme Court saying, hey, listen, yes, the the right to actually carry a firearm is rooted in the Constitution. The, the right to protect, you know, that your right to have that, your Second Amendment is rooted in the Constitution. Gun restrictions are not rooted. And I think that may, that actually puts the power again back, I'm hoping it does this, back to where it should be, back into the, at the states and localities. I mean, our system of federalism is one that I think people just don't understand. They say the federal government is making these rulings, and now the, the Supreme Court is taking, taking all of the power away from the people. No, the actual Supreme Court just gave the power back to the people because the Supreme Court is not designed and not created to administer policy and create policy. It's to determine the constitutionality of policy. And I think we're missing that huge piece and I, that's why I'm glad uh, even some of the uh, rulings that have come down and we're not going to get into those. I got into those a couple of weeks ago, but it's starting to put the the responsibility and the power back in the hands of the people through the true legislative process within the states, unless it's something that the federal government actually should do and have to oversee and do as it states in the Constitution, if it's promote the general welfare or the other components nationwide, not uh, not state by state or locality by locality. And, and that's the thing. The more power that we give back to the states and back to the people, the better off we are. The federal government isn't supposed to be there to sit and, and render judgment on us for what can and can't be law. They're supposed to tell us what is within the law, right? So the laws are passed by the states for the most part. Um, and, you know, that is coming out of what cities, towns, you know, counties, and the states. The, the federal government, I think there's a lot of things that they have stepped into over the years. And now when people hear that, oh, they've sent this back to the states, like the whole abortion thing, right? That, that they overturned, that that is, you know, needs to be a thing that's nationwide, right? I think that that's the way it should be, is if that's what a state wants and that's what the people want, regardless of what we think of it, right? If that's what they want, then that's what they should get to an extent, to an extent. Um, you know, the, here's where I draw the line is look at Portland, okay? Look at what's happened in Oregon. They've legalized hard drugs. You can have heroin and methamphetamine, cocaine, just, you know, there on the street, you know, not not anything that's going to get you in trouble. It's becoming, and, and it has become, a lawless society there. When you when you get into those types of things, those are really deviling in, in a world that you don't want to deal with. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen what happens to people that are very interested in those items. And it is in no way the same thing as talking about you know, gun rights. And yes, I, look, there's, there's, um, 
you know, the, uh, what do they call them? There's the uh, libertarians. And they think that everything should be legal and it should be your choice, right? For the most part. I'm that way to an extent, but there needs to be a line drawn, okay? When it can cause harm to other people, right? I mean, look, think about how many families have been torn apart because of drugs or drug violence or, yep. you know, anything. There's so many, there's a multitude of stuff. I, people aren't killing each other in the streets over their First and Second Amendment rights. You know, nobody's getting into duels over it, okay? Right. <laughs> it's, it's, right. It, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I love that you, you know, you're talking about the, the people, you know, if if somebody wants to live in a state with very restrictive gun laws and they have the opportunity to do that, if they want to live in a state that allows uh, this decision or that decision, they certainly have the right to do that. And then if they don't want to live there, they can have a couple of choices. They can either see what they can do to influence the legislative process. They could fire their their elected officials by not voting them and vote somebody in the next time. There's a lot of things that people can do if they have the opportunity to do that. But you, I'm a capitalist too. So when I start thinking about Portland, Oregon, I'm glad you brought that up. They are certainly the poster child, it seems, for just chaos. And so now I start to think about what a, what a huge impact that that will make on the economy of the people who live there. And, and if we want true lawlessness, when you remove that and you remove any kind of incentive to bring legitimate businesses in there, you're only going to get the kind that can actually survive in there. And now what right. we're going to see is people who don't want to live there and their livelihoods and everything else. Nobody wants to shop at places that they're likely to get robbed. Nobody wants to open up businesses in places where they're likely to be robbed or destroyed or, you know, because somebody's angry about something that somebody said in Washington, D.C., they're going to throw a, a brick through a window in Portland, Oregon. So right. I, I, I've got a friend that has a business <laughs> uh, and has had a business in San Francisco for many years. He's done very well there. And in the last couple of years, it's gotten just really extraordinarily bad. Well, he decided, let me upgrade security. Let me be a little bit more cautious. Let me do all these preventative steps. Um, about four months ago, there was, you know, mass looting and, you know, people just, you know, breaking into everywhere. And he got robbed and his place got robbed and he lost almost $200,000 in product. And guess what? The insurance would not cover him because he was in a place where police couldn't respond. The police actually told them, like, when the alarms went off and everything, that we don't have enough units to respond to all that's going on. Okay. What do you do yeah. in that situation? Yeah. You know, I mean, I know what you and I would do. Right. right? But what do you do if you're, you're a person who isn't one of us, doesn't have that kind of training, doesn't have that kind of mindset? Um, and he's not, he's not some ultra lefty or anything like that. He, he's a regular, you know, patriotic American. But this happens to everybody because they're, when they're looting and they're, you know, raiding these businesses, they don't sit there and go, oh, no, 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 no. This guy, he's such and such. Leave him alone. Let's rob this one instead. They're just going everywhere and destroying everything, right? So how do you, you know, for me, if I took a $200,000 hit tomorrow, it would devastate me. And, and that's what it's done to him. It's devastated him, devastated his business. You know, some of the stuff he had, you know, on credit, so he still owes money for it now. It is gone. Yeah. You know? 
people don't think about that at you know I, I'll call that the macro the macro level right yeah because you know the, the micro level is you know the person individually like I do with him and you know people in general that have this happen restaurants every, I mean you know per places burning down what do you do with that how do you how do you quell that situation the only answer is to get the hell out of there that's the only answer but sometimes that's not easy what if what if you're, you know, you've been there for many years, you're established, everybody knows that you're there, you have a, a regular thing going on, it's hard to up and move. You know? Yeah, Yo, you're, listen, you're absolutely right, and, and that's, as I watch, you know, and we watched over the last couple of years, just the, the things that were going on in pockets around the country, my first thought was, wow, these businesses that have been, and these family businesses that have owned these things for literally decades and it could be a generational thing it could be second or third generation of and now all of a sudden they have literally lost everything they can't just completely just uproot and leave and i think i think much of the security aspect that that is that is one of the jobs of the government at every level is to provide security the less security and protection it has for its people the less its people are free on a multitude, for, is, is socially, um, uh, entrepreneurially, all the other components around it, your freedom, the ability for you to go out and, and, and work is one, you have a, at least a level of comfort that somebody is not going to, as soon as you leave your house, somebody's not going to break into it and steal everything you own. It'd be pretty tough if that, if that was your fear. There was, you could never leave. You could never go outside to work. You would never open a business. You're afraid of what the what the consequences were and what potentially could happen if there was no protection. And I think a lot of times we're we get lost in that and we 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 lose um, what the responsibilities of local, state, and federal governments where they sit in the pecking order and what their overall responsibilities are. So with that. I want to I want to look into what we had over the weekend. Okay, July 4th. So I'm going to go through a couple of these things and I, I want to hear your thoughts on what you think is going on, because I and also want to talk about what you what where you think from a law enforcement standpoint, where where are we? What are some of the, the, the mindset? And I know we all hear about it. I know we watch it. I know the challenges. Um, and I want to hear your thoughts on just what you think, just the, the overall in. Uh, the, the temperature of law enforcement. And when I say temperature of where we sit from a, just in, how is it, how is it going? Uh, and I think that there are a lot of people who assume it's going one way. I think some assume it's going another way, but I want to hear your thoughts, but I want to go through a couple of these Chicago, 71 people shot. This is them. By the way, I'm getting the sources. This is 4th of July weekend. This is from NBC. Okay. So I'm not, uh, this is not a, this is not a Fox news, right? This is, this is NBC. I'll, I'll provide that one. So it's like 71 people shot just Monday through Friday, 54 shot. This is Chicago. Okay. Right. New York, New York city. This is just over July 4th weekend, 50 people shot. There's the shooting in Philadelphia. There was eight people shot in Minneapolis. There were people shot in Indianapolis. There were people shot in Kenosha, Wisconsin. There were six people shot in Kansas city. And I'm looking at all these and we're going, good gracious. This is, this is just over one weekend. I, I didn't even add this up because it, it would all, it would, I don't even want to, I don't even, it's, it's a reality that I know is there, but I don't want to quantify the level of, of just craziness that's going on in communities and how one Brian, this it's put on and it's talked about on media, but it's not, it's not really put out there 
to the level that I think it should if we're if we're going to be sincere and true to many of the convictions that people like to spout across social media and everything else, why we're not focusing efforts where it needs to be focused. It's like consistently consistent every weekend after weekend after weekend in some of these um, metropolitan centers that just traditionally can't get out of their own way, it seems, that the people there literally are their war zones. Why are we not in, in your professional opinion, man, this is this is your world. Why are we not hearing as much about these as we might should? I think it, there's two things. One, the complete desensitization to people with any you know of people towards violence. That's what I think. I think that they are so used to hearing it. They're so used to hearing about these shootings in Chicago. They're so used to hearing about all these deaths that it's just like another thing like, oh, okay, well, whatever. It wasn't here. So they do that, you know, well, it's not my problem because I'm not there. The other thing is that they put out this projection of the police are the problem here. And here's what I say is you have all this happening in these places where they're defunding police. People don't want to be police there because why would you want to do a job where you're completely hated? You know, the, the residents don't want you there. The administration is handcuffing you at, at any chance. You know, you've got mayors that are telling you to do your job selectively. You know, uh, Chicago is a great case of that. I mean, I, my opinion, the only way to handle Chicago is it's been lost. And you need, I, I'm going to say, you, you need to go there and systematically take care of the problem. There needs to be, like, the way Giuliani took care of the problem in New York, right? I mean, he put more cops on the street, he supported and backed them, and he let them do their job, making arrests, doing investigations, and keeping the community safe. I loved New York when I would go there regularly, you know, weekly, from, you know, uh, in the 90s, you know, into the early 2000s. It was fantastic. It was safe. You didn't have to worry about things. He cleaned up the streets. He cleaned up you know, Times Square, he cleaned up all these things. Now, I'm not saying he's the savior for everybody in the country, but it's an example of how you could go from one end of the spectrum to the other. It can be done. But the problem is that these leftists that we have in politics, in, in, in they're in police, they're policing too, as chiefs and sheriffs and things like that around the country as well. They won't allow those things to happen because they feel that, you know, they, they're projecting this thing that now police who do their job are, you know, fascists, that they're they're overstepping their bounds, that it's, it's too, um, you know, racist to enforce these laws. Well, what my, my thought is law is blind, right? Justice is right. blind. That's the way it's supposed to be. OK, if you're a criminal and you're committing crimes, I'm sorry, you're a criminal. I mean, it's not it's not an accident. It's just not, okay? We could, you and I could choose to be criminals tomorrow, right? And we would probably be pretty damn good at it because we know the other side. We know how they think. We know how they're going to investigate. We know what to, what they're going to be tracking, what they're not going to be tracking, right? But why don't we do it? Because we have a moral compass, right? And we value our freedom and we value our families. These other people, you know, they... They're out there committing these crimes. They don't care about their own family. They don't care about the people on the street that they're, you know, selling drugs to, shooting, whatever. 
And, and it's not just drugs, and it's not just shooting. There's a whole bunch of different uh, enterprises that are, you know, out there that are going on. And my thoughts are that they need to really step up law enforcement efforts. Now, here's a problem that I will tell you that I see here. Okay, I do law enforcement training. Okay, we do hand-to-hand ground fighting, uh, shooting, and even a program for. Uh, mental health, hormone optimization, and keeping the officers healthy that are on the street, okay? We're one of the first people in the country to be doing an all-encompassing effort for police and and any kind of law enforcement, okay, whether it's sheriff, um, you know, federal, anything like that, okay? I've had them all come to courses that I've done. We run them pretty much every we, – we run a free course every quarter, and then we have courses in between that. And I will tell you that just here in the Phoenix area, we have law enforcement agencies that are providing zero, zero training to their officers. None, because they don't have the resources to do it. Whether that be because of attrition, where guys are just, you know, retiring or quitting and they can't, you know, keep the numbers up. We are desperately in need for cops across the country. But who wants to work at these agencies where they know that it's just a loveless job? The training aspect of things, let's put it this way. The world has evolved so much and so much in the last 22 years, right? And that's basically my experience has been the last 22 years. Patrol rifles were not a regular thing when I first got into law enforcement. That was not the typical. It It wasn't until after Columbine and after the North Hollywood incident that police realize, hey, we're carrying shotguns and Berettas. We need, we need to step it up a bit, right? So now you have a lot more patrol rifles on the scene and things like this, different elements. Agencies that aren't providing regular training to their officers are just missing out on opportunities where these officers could do different tactics. They could, they could experience different things, they, less injuries, less officer-involved shootings. I mean – these are statistically proven things that the more training they get, the better off people are in the community, the better off the officers are. They're not taking as much time off work, but they're not doing it because they don't have either the budget or the ability to cover those officers, you know, for training. So that is a major factor. These large cities are giving piss poor training to their officers, plain and simple. And they would rather send them to diversity training rather than, what you and I have encountered is verbal judo, how to talk to people, how to reason with people. You know, you don't always have to go hands-on. You don't always have to shoot somebody in every situation, right? I think there's a lot of situations that, yeah, that's the only way. That mental health is a big thing. That's a whole other subject that we can yep. talk about for a long time. But I, I have seen some situations where I truly believe that if there was a different approach, lives would be spared. And that's what I do. That's, that's something that I have committed to doing here. Okay. And, and like I said, we give our class away quarterly for free. It's a two-day course that encompasses everything that I mentioned, ground fighting, hand-to-hand, weapons, you know, firearms. If they want to do rifle and pistol or they just want to do pistol or just want to do rifle, whatever, we, we gauge it to whatever the class wants to do. And then on top of that, we have two doctors that handle – Mental health, hormone optimization, and overall wellness, right? And that's what's important is these guys 
They're regular people. Cops aren't a different breed. They need the training. They need the healthcare. They need everything just like everybody else. Right. Now, you know, it's, I, I love, and well, one, I think you just handled uh, and addressed the, 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 just the environment, the law enforcement environment, but you, you bring up a huge, huge piece. And, and I, let me go ahead and make this well, the statement now. So, this this is the Civil Warrior Radio policy, right? I am not here, and this is this platform is not here to bash or or to scream and tout one particular ideology or another. But I do think that we have to look at something, and the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And I and you brought up training and I've I've listened now to all of when you're thinking about these, you know, with either the politicians at the state level, even at the national level, people are screaming. We need to train our our police officers, our law enforcement officers more because they're doing this. And they're you know, you you mentioned what, what the thought process around and what people believe some of of our law enforcement are in some of these cities. But but and the reason why I put out the the disclaimer. Okay, uh, is that I want to go through these because I'm again, I'm taking this. This is from NBCnews.com. If you go to NBCnews.com, this is out of today, Fourth uh, of July weekend, marred violent shootings, U.S. People can go. So I want to make sure that that when I what I'm about to say, I, I'm not pointing necessarily fingers at one ideology or another, but I'm just bringing reality to the forefront and say, you know. Uh, the the ch- change has to happen, but a change in mindset and a change in how we do things. Chicago, uh, Lori Lightfoot, a Democrat. Okay. Now I am not, I am not, this is not bashing uh, the left or the right blue, red. Uh, but at the end of the day, if we've got serious issues and it's consistently over and over and over and over again, we have to look at, okay, what 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 platform what administrative what what resources are we implementing in these areas that are going to imp, do, have any kind of impact or change or we just continuously do the same thing over and over uh new york city okay eric adams uh, a democrat philadelphia uh james koenig he's a democrat indianapolis jacob ray a democrat uh joseph hogsett he's an indianapolis mayor democrat kenosha wisconsin john uh and i can't even pronounce his last name a democrat kansas city six people shot okay quentin lucas democrat so my question to you and and, and I, I already i think i know the answer but I, I'm I'm not touting that it has to be a red wave come in and take over these cities because I truly believe that there are those uh, who have a D at the end of the name are just as adamant about protecting the freedoms of their people and their citizens as everybody. At what point do we not make institutional change in the administrations and how these cities are run? We think about these because all of these cities came straight from this list of NBC News. And every single one of them are have been democratically run for quite some time. Is that something that can change? Or Brian, do you? Th- I mean, you you made the comment that that you think Chicago is lost. I I, I hope it's not. Um, as a, as a baseball fan, we got to, we got to, man, you got the Cubs and the White Sox, man. We don't want to lose baseball. And I, um, but I don't want to minimize it either. But I I never want to make light of a situation. But I think we're we're you you made the point. That there are some areas, and your your friend in San Francisco, that one that the insurance wouldn't cover it because it was a place that we're not going to be, that police just were not going to respond to. I think what we're seeing over and over again, there are elements and areas in Chicago that police are just not going. 
They're saying, right. you know what? Well, let them let them handle it. Have have we gotten to the point that we're kind of wiping our hands and you know this? You you said you know we've kind of come desensitized to the report every Monday. We're going to get three more people shot in Chicago. I mean, it's almost like every Monday we get the same thing. At what point do you think, or is this something that we'll ever do? At what point do we actually address it, or are we willing just to write off urban centers around the country because either they're not providing the training, they're not doing this, and even so much of the of the the gun laws and the restrictive nature of many of these of these areas, I would think that we would have more um uh, less less chaos less crime as opposed to more but we've kind of taken the hands off of it is that something that that we can recover from uh in certain areas around the country or is it just going to continue until we just wall them all off you know i i don't think it's a situation that could be solved by simply arming all the public right so, and I don't, and, I, yeah. and I'm, oh, by no means, let me make sure I'm not advocating that a, at all, because I think right. once we do that, then it's this wild, wild west, and, you know, then we got Tombstone, all, and I mean, the West, right. okay, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm, I'm just, I'm just wondering, you know, is you mentioned Giuliani. Right. Certainly Giuliani, I would think if you're looking on the ideological scale, he is, he is probably a moderate because there's, I mean, hey, listen, he's yeah. New York. I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. Correct. But he understood the necessity for put guys on the ground to keep the order. And the more you well, keep the order, the more people will come. And so I'm just curious about what your thoughts are. There's one important thing that he realized is if the city is safer, businesses will flourish. If businesses flourish, people will flock there supporting those businesses, which brings more tax income, which brings more revenue for the people, which raises property values which makes people makes it a desirable place to go, right? So these once great cities that we've had across the country, like Chicago, Chicago was one of the, you know, was one of the premier cities in the country for, you know, forever. And you're looking at these places now and, you know, I wouldn't move there for anything. You could not pay me enough money to move there. I don't care what job or position you give me, what house you give me and how much it costs. I wouldn't go there. And I wouldn't go there simply because I know that if I want to, you know, stay safe, I can't do it there. Um, and that's why I don't live in those places. I live in a place that allows me to exercise my freedom as I see fit. Uh, you know, it, and, and with that, I tell people all the time, because they're like, oh, do you always carry a gun? I tell them, I don't even shower without a gun on. Okay? Like, <laughs> that's, that's how serious I am about it. Okay. So my my thoughts are, you know, how many times have you seen people are just walking their dog and they get killed somewhere? Right. I mean, it's, we saw this lady pushing her baby in a stroller in New York and she was executed. Like what, at what point do people sit there and say something needs to be done? At at what point do the citizens say enough is enough? And I think that's the problem. I think what has happened is, you have Chicago where there's a large influx of people who are, you know, at or below the poverty line and they just want to exist. And they, you know, they do that kind of ostrich thing that we've always talked about. You know, uh, they just stick their head in their sand and hope somebody else solves the problem. My thoughts are if you're not involving yourself in solutions, then you are essentially part of the problem because you're not doing anything. You're not choosing to go in one way or the other. Now, I don't mean, that everything has to go to the right or to the left, right? 
you made a good point. Giuliani is by far not a staunch Republican in my mind. Okay. He, he was not about gun freedoms. He was not about a lot of things that the right would be about. He was a Republican, you know, as his uh, title, he was not a Democrat. However, his ideas led to a new rebirth for New York, right? Brought Disney in. He brought a lot of other companies in that bought up a lot of real estate. And that is a good thing. That is what our economy needs. That is what makes these places flourish. You know, it's capitalism at its, yep. at its finest. So let me throw this out to you, too. So a lot of these agencies that I'm seeing, and I, and I train agencies across the country, um, a lot of these agencies are coming to us and telling us, listen, they won't budget for training. They won't budget for new tools and tactics. They won't budget for whatever, or they won't allow us to take training that is outside of what they teach us. And what they're teaching at a lot of these agencies is basically from the early 1980s. Okay. So the, the training and tactics is almost 40 years behind where it should be. And that, that just doesn't work. Now I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some information here. That's going to shock you. Okay. Because it shocks me. And, and I feel appalled that this is the case. Okay. How many hours do you think the police Academy is in Arizona? This comes from Arizona DPS website. Okay. So department of public safety, how many hours is the police Academy here in Arizona? I don't know. Okay. 585 hours. Okay. So it's a lot of hours, right? I mean, that's a lot of training that you get in, in 585 hours. Now, Let's go to something that is completely not police work. Barber. How many hours do you think you need of education to become a barber by the Arizona Barber Board? I don't know. 1,500 hours. Nearly three times as much to be a barber cutting hair as it is to be a police officer that's dealing with people's lives. That's dealing with life and death every day. Doesn't yeah. that seem kind of appalling to you? Yeah, it, it almost seems that that these guys, and I say these guys, gender neutral, uh, our, our law enforcement, uh, right. on, they, they are being set up, almost set up for failure. That's exactly it's, exactly what I was getting. To. Yes, and, and, and I, that 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 breaks that breaks the heart. And and again, I'm. I, I'm not here to fuel any conspiracy conspiracy theories, and, and so we'll let them we'll let them rock, rock and roll. But I mean, because you and I both know, I mean, you know, military guys. Hey, listen, the the more we train, the better prepared we are to handle whatever situation that comes our way. And and you and I both know that you can train and train and train and train and train and train, but once you go through a door gets knocked down and you find yourself on the other side, if it is, if what you find on the other side of that door is not what you anticipated on finding, and that happens a lot, you've got to revert back to your training and what you know to be true and that foundational piece that keeps people alive. And if we're not providing these guys that, and they're not able to handle circumstances because it's most of it, I say very little of it. I mean, I never uh, was as a law enforcement officer on the street, but I got a pretty good idea um, being in the Marine Corps and everything else that you'd love for everything to be textbook, but nothing is. Nothing, nothing is, nothing is textbook. Single, 
it, that's the thing is when you're working as a police officer, every single call that you take every day is entirely different. Everything is a new variable. You could go to 10 medical calls a day, every day for five days. Every one of those is going to be different. You know, you can go to any call anywhere. It's never going to be the same. And, and that's part of what attracts a lot of people to the job is it may seem monotonous in, in wording in, in when you explain it, but it's ever changing. So it's constantly a different scenario. It's constantly a different places, constantly different people, you know, and, and that leads to a bigger problem too, is their training encompasses several scenarios, but not enough. Right. And you can't cover every scenario, right? That's just not a physical possibility. Okay. But you can, nowadays, you can assume that people are much different than they were, say, 40 years ago. Their response towards police and their their actions towards police, right? I mean, how many times have you seen video online where out of nowhere, people are just attacking the police just for being there, right? right. And it, it has nothing to do with the police were there to arrest them. They're just end up being attacked. They're, they're, they're scapegoating. They're the scapegoats for whatever is going on with these people. And, right. and look, a lot of it, I get it because I get it. I get barraged by it on my page as well. They're like, oh, well, mental health, mental health, mental health. Does anybody know what that means? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, the neb- it's the nebulous piece that nobody can put their hand on or, or finger correct. and they can absolutely put their finger on the button, but it's kind of the catch 22. Right. right. I mean, you can't sit here and say, oh, well, if everybody was just on medication, everything would be okay. All right. Well, let's take that idea. If everybody was just on antidepressants, everything would be okay. Great. Why has every shooter that we've had recently in these last several years been on antidepressant medication? Well, you hear the disclaimers when you see those, uh, you know, you see them on right. the, the, the disclaimers are yeah. longer than the actual commercial. Suicidal tendencies. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, come on. Like there's, there's gotta be a different way to handle this. And, and do I think everybody should be sitting in the chair, spilling their guts out to a doctor, you know, psychiatrist, psychologist, there's nothing. No, but there's, I think a lot of it comes back to family. And I think a lot of it is the family, you know, most families don't want to say anything because they don't want to bring attention to themselves or embarrassment to themselves that there's a problem. Right. So they just say, well, you know, I'll deal with it if it happens but hopefully it won't because it's the vast minority of people that have this, you know, these issues with mental health. And then what happens? They, they shoot up a school, you know, and, and this is, this is something that is a very new or newer phenomenon, right? I mean, when you were growing up, how many school shootings were there? Yeah, none. I mean, that, that it was just unheard of, right? right. And, and even when I was growing up, when I was in school, same thing. I mean, vast, you know, I mean, incalculable how how many there were, okay? But now you have them, it seems regular. And part of the problem is, and I I believe it's the media giving notoriety to the shooters by announcing who they are. So they're unpopular or, you know, headed down the wrong direction. And now they get popular because they've done something completely heinous. Yeah. And, and that is fueling a lot of things because mentally unstable people are mentally unstable and going to do whatever they're going to do, regardless of if they have a gun and regardless of if it's a school. They'll do it at a mall. They'll do it with a truck. They'll do it with a car. They'll do it with whatever. We've seen that time and time again, 
what are you going to do? Ban everything? You know, it's just not right. possible. So that's, you know, it comes back to the citizens need to take it upon themselves to keep their eyes open, you know, recognize yep. and you know, analyze. That's what you have to do. You have to, you have to be assertive out there nowadays. You yep. just never know. And, and the, the, you don't know how many people I talk to. They're like, well, where I live, it's safe. Really? It, like, yeah. come on. What, yeah, what does safe mean? What are your crime statistics? What is the, the, the you know, per capita of violent crime against people in your area? And they don't know. They just assume it's safe because they go home every night and they don't get broken into, right? But they don't know what's really going on. Right. Well, you know, you bring up a great point, and and this is going to have to be a discussion that we're going to pick up the next time, talking about personal accountability and responsibility. Those two things, I think, have just gone away. Right. I, and, I, and I want, I don't mean that just general, but I think way too much. Uh, and more that I see, one, there's a lack of responsibility and a lack of accountability for actions. It's always somebody else's fault. Uh, there's a reason, oh, I did this because that happened. Well, no, you did that because you chose to do that. Uh, and you, if, you, if the influence is yes, that happens. But still, at the end of the day, the choice to follow through with an action is 100 percent our our own personal. That's it's that's on us. I, we can we can blame somebody else. But until somebody literally forces me to do something, literally grabs my hand and swings at somebody, then then if, if unless that happens, then that decision is on me. And, and that is a discussion you and I have got to have on another Absolutely. time. But but there's there are two more things that I want to get to before before we jump off. And, and by the way, I'm talking with Brian Kovacs, my dear friend, founder of Talking Guns. You can find them on every social media platform. If you want to know what's going on uh, around even just the, just the things that are going on in our communities around the country, how it impacts us and the safety and the protection uh, of us as citizens, you got to follow them. And I'm going to get I'm going to get Brian. You're going to tell me how people can get in touch with you before we leave but i i wanted to to find out one what you've got you got some things going on you, you and, I, and you I always you, have things going on so. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry let, let me let me, <laughs> rephrase. Let me the, the, the 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 man with more irons in the fire right than i don't know i could think of some kind of crazy analogy but um but no you you told me when we were before we we jumped on you said you had some pretty big things that that are working you always have things going but i think some really cool things uh, have happened recently, and I also want to make sure that we get people, let them know how they can get in touch with you because you brought on about your training and everything else. I know that there are agencies and individuals that, that would love to have access to at least just to see what it is that you might be able to help. But tell me about some of the cool things that are going, and then how can people get in touch with you? So one thing I'll put out real quick is I, I am very much about training, but there is a lot of training out there that is we'll call it inferior or not utilizable anymore, right? People are teaching, teaching old methodology, um, you know, just things that aren't current and are not applicable anymore. And it's not necessarily anything against them because they're trying. They're trying to provide some. So my thing that I always say is seek out qualified training. Qualify your trainer. Make sure that they are industry experts that are teaching you, okay? Not just somebody that took an NRA class and got a, you know, online certification, right? So seek out qualified training, especially for law enforcement guys. Um, you know, that that is one thing that is huge for me that I, I tell people all the time. Um, things that are going on with me. So 
I'm always looking for new stuff. I'm always trying to help people. One of my big things is, um, you know, small businesses, startups that have a great product idea and they want to bring it to market. Um, that's something that I've worked on for many years as a consultant in the industry here. And I've worked with a lot of different people and a lot of different projects. I've been very privileged to, to be involved in and help to scale and get to a point that, you know, they, they may not have gotten to otherwise. Okay. Um, so recently I was asked to help a company, uh, get their product out there to the masses of qualified people. And what that means is I am, I have become the exclusive distributor of mini guns for the U S both the M134 and 308 and the 556 minigun, which is much newer to the market. So we're talking about, you know, a rotating barrel, you know, weapon that is just the ultimate thing. It's unlike any other weapon platform out there. Um, Now, qualified people are FFL SOTs and shooting ranges um, and some collectors as well. Um, so that is one thing that I am now doing and, uh, it's, it's kind of crazy, but it's, uh, it's something that is, uh, very, very exciting for me. And I'm looking really forward to what's going to happen with that. Um, another project that I have that has been kind of in the works for a while, and I've finally decided to do it with the right people and the right backing, um, is I am launching a bag company. It's going to be Kovac Bags. There'll be a a kind of different spelling of my name, K-O-V-A-K, Bags. And um, we are going, we have designed several different weapon bags, medical bags, um, you know, uh, mini first aid kit type things that have the, we'll call it design and accoutrements of several different things put into one and made in a quality environment with quality materials and not an extraordinary price. Um, you know, you, you know this industry better than me in the textile stuff. It's so important to have the right materials and to have the right companies and the right backing. I have somebody who literally owns a factory that has been doing textiles for many, many years, making military product. And, um, you know, this is something that I am I'm very passionate about, and I'm going to be getting out there and working on getting it out there here uh, at Q4 of this year to everybody. So, man, that is great and huge, uh, huge congratulations on, on the minigun piece. And people will here, here's what, uh, folks, if you're listening, here's what I want you to do I want you to go and I want you just to go on our beloved Google which is a subject for another kind. That's a, that's a whole other thing. So go, on, go on to Google and type in mini guns. Okay. And you'll see it. You will recognize the guns that he's talking about. You will recognize those because you've seen them in movies. You've seen them all over the place. You've seen them on helicopters. You've seen them on different applications. So, uh, and it's not, we're not talking about the little bitty things that, uh, that you put in your sock. We're talking about other, right. other types. And so he, you know, but again, I, I want to make sure you give people some context in, sure. uh, and what they've got. But so Brian, how can people, let's, let's just, and I, one great, great information, um, on the, get the quality instruction, because again, 
you know, you, you can spend eight hours uh, getting information. And if the information that you've got in eight hours is not going to do you a bit of good, you've just wasted eight hours. You know, it's more important to get the best stuff. So if somebody wants to find out and just to reach out to you, uh, how, do, how would somebody get in touch with you? So I actually answer on all the platforms. So, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, um, but you can email me directly. Um, I will respond. I do get a lot of emails, but I will respond to you. Uh, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at TalkingGuns.net. All right, cool. And I'll make sure I put that in uh, when looking at the show description and other things. I will put the link for uh, for Brian's email uh, in that as well as some other things. Brian Kovacs, man, it is so great to talk to you. And we literally, I could spend the next five hours just picking your brain and hearing your responses. And, and I, I know that the people listening uh, have enjoyed it. I want to have you come back. I, I would love to talk to you. I know that you're unbelievably busy and I cannot tell you how grateful I am for uh, the hour of, and plus of your time today. But I, I, there are some things that, that are coming and there's some things that are happening. And again, my one of my big goals here is to one, inspire, encourage, and, and to pour into people through this little podcast. But the other is is to give things solid, effective information that people can use, quality information that they can use to then make their decisions on how they approach things so they actually have more pieces to the puzzle and then they're trying to put this puzzle together without a box top, right? I mean, I think that we so many times we're we're trying to catch water and we're swinging at air and we're really not hitting or catching either one and we're trying to put a puzzle together and we have no idea what it looks like and and unfortunately i think we're missing and you and i both know man there's always pieces to the puzzle missing we never get all the information uh, no matter what the only thing that we know to be 100 true is what we are living in right now but we we're inundated with information and so many platforms and it's really hard to find quality and information. And I cannot thank you enough for providing that because you gave us all a lot of stuff to think about and places that we can go and actually start to think about how we make solid change in our communities. And I'm 100% with you. We are so focused on national politics when we really should be focusing on what's happening down the street, what's happening in our state, in our cities. How do we change it? You know, in the neighborhoods, we start changing neighborhoods because you mentioned this and I'll let this is the last thing we'll talk about the capitalistic side. When, when, when their economic areas are, are vibrant, people want to go there. Housing values start to go up. You get more of, of just affluent areas. And I'm not talking about rich. I'm just talking about good, economic, stable places where people can come and start businesses, where people feel safe to go. They have economic freedom. They have personal freedoms there. They have safety. And you mentioned that, and that's what, um, you know, um, oh, Rudy, uh, Giuliani did in New York. But we think about these areas that are really struggling. The reason why they're struggling is the loss, the economic viability is almost imploded in these places. And now, you know, you think about these areas around the world with the greatest resources. They're not doing well economically because the guys come in and those who have the most guns. And I, I don't I don't mean that. I mean that globally and, and more. And, you know, metaphorically speaking, if you if you've got all the power, you come in and kind of take over. You know, and so we're missing these pieces. And I want to encourage people to get more involved. And the more you can create sustainable uh, and, and an open place where people can build their their economic freedom, that they have some and they can live the American dream and they can live it without fear of, of it getting destroyed or broken into and you create these more vibrant economic capitalistic areas 
the more freedoms that we're going to have and the more that we're able to see that. And you, you brought that up. And I think that's a huge piece of, of what is happening and the demise of our, so many of our urban areas is because, Hey man, people don't want to open up businesses. They know it's going to get destroyed. And, and, and if, if the government and the areas are not providing protection, it's kind of hard to make an argument to, to move in there. What do you have areas that have gone from being, you know, either very bad to good or from being just a, a moderate area to being very good, excellent. You give people hope in those areas because they see it. They say, man, you know, this place was abandoned 30 years ago and now it's luxury lofts, you know, and yeah. there's a different kind of people that live here now. And there's new coffee shops and there's new, you know, restaurants and there's, there's street vendors and there's street fairs and there's things like this because people feel comfortable in the community. And, you know, that is what brings a lot of freedom, too, because people have extra money. They buy extra things. They, they spend more in their own community and the community grows. And that that's what's important. You know, here here where I live in Arizona, there is a domination now of mom and pop shops versus when I first moved here 18 years ago, where it was mainly all chain restaurants. And I can tell you that that change has brought so many more people here. I mean, it's the fifth largest metropolitan area in the country. Well, you know? that 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 is a direct result. That capitalistic success is a direct result of law and order, freedom, right. rights, protection, everybody, accountability, responsibility, everybody, had, you know, doing what they're, you know, fulfilling their role within the community and also understanding that there are things that you have to give up to gain things. And I'm not telling you that you have to give up up your rights, but every once in a while, you just can't do everything that you want. Sometimes you got to stay within the lanes. And the Correct. more that we're we're able to do that, and the more that everybody is fulfilling their responsibilities in the community, the more vibrant the communities are. So, man, you gave great word, great insight, and it's a it's a huge challenge. Uh, and I say a huge challenge to to put this on people, but they've got to take it. If if you want things to change. It's up to us to change it. You can't, we, we cannot keep asking everybody else to change things that we want changed. We have to take the steps, take action. Take, take action yourself. Absolutely. Amen, brother. Well, listen, stay in touch. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Brian Kovacs, Talking Guns. Make sure that you go follow them on every platform that you can find them on. Man, buddy, it is, God, man, it's great to talk to you. And I'm so proud for you. And I hope that I can have you back. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. You are a gracious host, and I look forward to coming back soon. Okay, buddy. You take care. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks again, Brian. Have a great one. Yep. All right, buddy. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the one and only Brian Kovacs of Talking Guns. The Talking Guns media platform, you can find them at talkingguns.net. Find them on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all of the social media platforms. Check them out. Follow them. Stay in touch. Stay in touch and informed about what's going on. Brian is a great source of knowledge uh, and certainly uh, a patriot and, and one that provides great insight and perspective. Hey, before we go, make sure that you check out the past episodes of Servant Warrior Radio. Last week, I had a great conversation with John Melio, the founder of Wounded Warrior Project. Uh, we are in the middle of the Life is a Highway series. I replay back in the old vault from the old uh, Servant Warrior Ministries and Servant Warrior Radio shows. 
back from 2012, 13, and 14. Uh, these are episodes that aired on KJSL Truth Talk uh, out of St. Louis, Missouri. Great episodes, just some of my favorites. And I will tell you, the episode that will be uh, going live on Tuesday, that is Life Taken, Life Changed. And uh, I am I am not exaggerating. There's no hyperbole here whatsoever when I tell you that th- that episode and what you will listen to on Tuesday when I shared that, that episode was probably the most impactful episode that I have done, primarily because I am talking about an incident that happened that completely changed my life. And I, I that was the first time that was was talked about, really talked about in any type of public forum, because I truly believe in my heart that God does not allow things to happen in our lives that He does not want us to use to impact somebody else. And also, He allows things to happen in our lives that He will use to, in turn, impact others if we will let him. And so I really, really encourage you to listen to the episode coming up on on Tuesday, Life Taken, Life Change. That is episode four in the series, in the Life is a Highway series. So make sure that you check that out. Hey, listen, thank you for listening. I know that there are podcasts on top of podcasts on top of podcasts. And I know we only have 24 hours in the day. I'm incredibly grateful that you gave some of that time. So you're only non-renewable resource hanging out with me. If you have a question or a comment, please email them to me at comments at servantwarriorradio.com. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. All you have to do is search for Servant Warrior Radio. Look for the logo. You can't miss us on Facebook. You can follow me, Mr. Jeff Searcy. And lastly, make sure to subscribe to Servant Warrior Radio so you don't ever miss an episode. Hey, thanks again. Until next time, keep it real, radical, relentless, and relevant. This has been Servant Warrior Radio.